When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, James Coe here with you. Now, most of you guys already know, but Matt and I wanted to make abundantly clear that we normally record our Tuesday episodes on the Monday afternoon before Monday Night Football. Now, obviously, the tenor of the conversation has changed dramatically since then, and obviously Matt and I are thinking about DeMar Hamlin and his family at this time. If you're able to, please consider donating to DeMar Hamlin's Toy Drive fundraiser, more information on that can be found on Twitter. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show. What is cracking everybody? James Cohn, Matt Harmon here with you as we fast approach the end. Oh my goodness. By the way, for the listeners out there, uh, two shows this week, and then we transition to one show a week moving forward into the offseason. I, I really enjoyed this season. I've said that a lot on this show. I think uh, the football has been good this year. I think we have some really fascinating like outcomes, some fascinating potential narratives with some of the playoff teams that are sort of forming here. Uh, and then yeah. it's crazy. I feel like, at least I felt like I spent most of uh, Sunday reacting to this morning reacting to these teams that like the teams that are kind of on the fringes, right? It's oh, like, I'm yeah. predicting a really fun, um, really fun playoff scenarios, really fun games coming up here in January. So I'm fired up for that. And, and, and I am, I am fired up that fantasy season is also coming to a close. Uh, what a, what a stressful fun, what a stressful fun time that has been. I know. I know. Uh, if we saw anything uh, from week 17, uh, that those kind of point totals are absolutely not, uh, impossible. As a matter of fact, we're going to start the show uh, by talking about Mike Evans. We'll get to Justin Jefferson, who's on the opposite end as well. And I thought a pretty special performance being put on by Devontae Adams. So I thought talk about some of these studs here. But uh, Mike Evans eruption game. We're talking about a dude that went uh, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 207 yards, three touchdowns during championship week. Matt Harmon, come on now. Mike Evans, that was awesome. I, I tweeted out the photo of, uh, you know, the meme of Squidward watching SpongeBob and Patrick sell, you know, like playing around outside. He's lo looking out the window. Love to explain memes on a podcast. One of my favorite things to do. Um, and and <laughs> I was like, this is this is me like watching all of my guy, like my fantasy teams, like my rosters that got eliminated last week. So I think I said, you know, hey. I could, if Mike Evans wants to drop three touchdowns, like I could have come back from some bi big deficits uh, in last week's matchups. Right. Didn't happen. Did happen this week. But you know, this is the the frustrating thing I think about the Bucks, and I, I was pretty open uh, on the podcast last week that I wanted to see 
Yep. You know, the Panthers in the playoffs. I don't want to see the Bucks in the playoffs. I want to see the Panthers win the NFC South. Um, that did not happen, although the Panthers put up a, a pretty valiant effort there. Came down to, like, you know, a, a crazy punt. Uh, uh, that, that punt at the end, uh, right, when the guy almost, like, right. barely gets yeah. that thing off. Like, if he doesn't get that thing off, you know, the, the, the Panthers have the ball right there. Like, there, there's a pretty big scenario they, they end up winning this game. So, pretty close competitive game. But this is what was been, has been frustrating me about the Bucks all year long. is like, you're – you are capable of this. You are capable of this game. Your Mike Evans is capable of this game. Tom Brady is capable of having this game. Because you know, I've been people have been asking all year, like, what's wrong with Mike Evans? Is Mike Evans washed? No, Mike Evans is not washed. There's nothing wrong with Mike Evans. Like he's still getting <laughs> open at the same level that he's gotten open yeah. uh, at previously. He still can rip it downfield. He can still win on routes. But uh, like he isn't. I don't think he's lost a step at all. I just think that the there's been. A lot of factors working against the Buccaneers passing game. I think the coaching is still a problem, by the way. Um, I yeah. heard uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, who works with the Yahoo, say that if Tampa Bay is back in, um, it, it, I mean, if Tom is back in Tampa Bay next, I'm messing this Tampa. up. If Brady <laughs> is back in Tampa Bay next year, next year it yeah. will, it will, it will require a clean house of, of the offensive coaching staff, which I feel is number one unlikely. And number two, um, you know, that, I don't think they do that. So therefore, I don't think Tom is back in, in Tampa. I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion, even if they go on a little bit of a run here in the playoffs. Which I also don't think is uh, out of the question either. But long story short here, I think the coaching has been poor. I think the Brady's lack of confidence in the offensive line has created a a problem where he is getting the ball out too quickly. And that really negates any of the downfield passing stuff. But on the first two of the three Mike Evans touchdowns um, against the Panthers yesterday, Brady held the ball on the first one for 2.6 seconds, which I know doesn't sound crazy, <laughs> but considering he got rid of it 1.88 seconds know, uh, the game prior, that, that yeah. might as well be eternity, and 3.4 second time to throw on the second <laughs> wow. touchdown, which again, wow. that's the type of time that Tom hasn't been taking or that the line yes. has, has been allowing him. And having Donovan Smith, who hasn't had a great season, but still having him and Tristan Wirfs back out there for this game at tackle is huge. huge. They also have activated Ryan Jensen as well. So though that that issue has been a big weight on the offense all year. But th it, it, these games were always capable of happening here with Mike Evans. Maybe not to this extreme. Uh, you know, the Panthers were really injured at cornerback. They just signed Josh Norman, uh, who was like, oh my god, running a coffee shop, his own coffee shop, a couple of <gasps> that's few weeks insane. ago, right? <laughs> that's crazy that Josh Norman was active for this ball game. You talk about that time to throw for Tom Brady. He's got the uh, second fastest time to throw on the season. Only Colt McCoy has been able to get or has gotten the ball out faster uh, than Tom Brady, which kind of gives you an idea of what we're looking at here. Hey, you talked about that time to throw from last week, 1.88 seconds. Uh, I think I looked it up. Yeah, uh, Tom Brady now um, um, on this particular week um, got it out at 2.5, which is for him uh, pretty – like that's much longer. It's more than yeah. a season average. And again, a, a significantly time longer uh, in the pocket before a pass attempt uh, than, as you mentioned last week as well, by the way, should be noted and, and probably doesn't surprise a lot of folks, but eight air yards per attempt as well in this ball game. Also significantly more than what he has been throwing on the season, 7.1 air yards per pass attempt uh, on the season for Tom Brady. So, uh, testing it deep, 
and basically being able to kind of hold it in the pocket a little bit longer. But I want to ask you this, Matt. I thought early on in the game, I saw a little bit different of a route tree uh, for Mike Evans. And I thought that, and the broadcast noted it as well, but Tom Brady was absolutely trying to get Mike Evans involved early and often. Yeah, and they did that with some of those like kind of like a some of the comebacks, some of the hitches, stuff like that, which then I think especially when you have guys who aren't your typical corners out there, right? Like we're, I mean, uh CJ Henderson, former Jags, top, was he a top 10 pick or he was definitely a first round pick in Jacksonville. Yeah, top 10 pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 you know, he really got taken to the woodshed a couple times by by Evans to the point where I was like, "Buddy, what are you, are you even trying out there?" You know, like, "Come on, man." Uh, but like <laughs> There, you know, yeah. you getting those cornerbacks to to start to come here to, to you know cheat up on those routes stuff like that, and then you rip them on the go routes. And those three touchdowns all came on go routes. I think Next Gen Stats had that it was the first, the se- only the second game all year where someone's had three touchdowns on a go route uh, on all go routes. The first was AJ Brown against the Steelers earlier this year. So, yeah, I thought that was definitely. I mean, again, it was this like the connection between Evans and Brady. What's going on? And, and yeah, I think that. Not only that, too, but Chris Godwin had nine catches for 120 yards in this game because the Panthers had to use Jeremy Chin as their slot corner because that's how I down know. bad they are at the cornerback Ugh. position right now. Um, and, and you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Chin's Chin a good is, player, but, but the, you yeah, know he's not exactly. a slot corner, dude. Right. You know, come on, man, playing completely out of position. Exactly. Yeah. So um, once you and really, it's like this is what the Bucks should have been all year. They have two guys who are, I think, you know. You know they're right there in terms of like top fringe, top 10, top 12 receivers in the NFL, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, when they're, when they're right. Um, and, and they just haven't really gotten those guys consistently popping off at the same time together at the height of their powers. And this game they did, they're That's what I said. They're capable of this stuff every single week. Yeah. Um, I, I just was surprised by how well Tampa Bay's offense moved can I also say this though? Um, I thought, look, I thought Darnold looked good. Um, yeah. I know he had a couple of turnovers there. Um, the I, I'll, I, people always look at the turnovers with Sam Darnold and say, and he threw that pick and say, oh well, there he is again. But you know what, man? That was just a freaking awesome play by Sean Murphy Bunting to get inside of the receiver and pick that ball off. I actually thought it was a really good throw and a good thought process too. He saw single coverage there, try to get it out to his guy, put good uh, air under it. And I thought Sean Murphy Bunting just made an awesome play. Listen, some of these defensive players, they can make plays too. You know what I mean? So uh, I did not think it was a bad decision. It definitely was not a bad throw. Pretty good throw as a matter of fact. Um, and we saw it with uh, DJ Moore stat line. I thought Darnold played really, really well. Yeah, I think Darnold has really um, shown that when he can avoid mistakes, and and even in this game too, right? Like you talk about, he made that mistake. But the problem with Darnold typically is like once he makes one, they start to compound, and you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like a wave that hits stuff like that. That really isn't what's happened. What happened in this game? Like he made the one mistake. There's certainly you know other throws he probably wants to have back too. Um, but yeah, he's a. Uh, I think Donald's proven himself to be a fine backup quarterback in the NFL. Even like remember the first few, the first month of the season last year with the Carolina Panthers, like he had a pretty good run in that offense when yeah. um, all things were going like him and McCaffrey were were making it happen. DJ Moore was making it happen early in the year. Like, I mean, Donald's definitely like I, I, he's he's been the best quarterback the Panthers have, have played this year. I know they've played, uh, you know, they had Baker Mayfield, they had PJ Walker. It's not like <laughs> a high Walker bar to Baker. clear. 
buddy. <laughs> right. But he certainly, I think, has been the best. Yeah, I, I think Darnold has yeah. proven himself to be. Uh, he's, he's obviously the Panthers need a better. Need, they need a solution at quarterback. They Although do. I don't know, I, they're they're going to be in a weird spot, man. Because obviously, at different times this year, it's like, oh wow, Carolina. You know, they could they at different times I thought they'd have the number one pick, and now they just got eliminated from the postseason on January first. So um, <laughs> they're going to be sort of like I don't know right, right now, like off the top of my head, where they where they'd be picking, but they're not. You know, they they'll have to they have to find a solution to quarterback. That's like first and foremost, and um, you know, they, they, I don't think Sam Darnold's part of that future, but I think Darnold's proven himself to be a guy that like if you got to spot start Darnold for a little bit, and you have and you have a good situation around him, he can he can you know he, he could be fine for you. I brought it up in last week's podcast, but I'll bring it up again. I, I really think that there has to be at least a, a you know, I know he's a, a huge bust, right? But at least that's the thought process in Darnold. But we have to at least give him an incomplete pass, I think, right? Like an N.A. Uh, on his career thus far, because two years of Adam Gase, you got a year and a half of Matt Rule. I, I don't think there's a, a quarterback with worse coaching, <laughs> um, you know, backing him up than, than this guy, Sam Darnold. Um, and he finally got some semi-functional coaching here with Steve Wilkes and the offensive coordinators there. Uh, and I think he's looked decent, you know, as you mentioned, not just in a game, but for stretches, he's looked decent, right? Um, has he looked great? I won't go that far. Uh, but I think with functional coaching, I just wonder if Sam Darnold can be an actual starter, like a top 17 guy. In the NFL, I, I think he's got, well, certainly he's got the arm talent uh, to do that. That's never been in question. It's just all about, as you mentioned, upstairs. Can he keep it all together? Um, but I bring that up in that I was confounded by the game plan by Carolina. Um, and I only bring this up because we were talking about this. Uh, like, let's get Tampa Bay all the way up out of here. Let, let, let's see a, a, a young, you know, kind of like unproven team kind of do some things. Uh, but they didn't run the ball almost at all, Carolina. Wow. And, and it was weird. Not only did they smash the Lions the week before on the ground, remember in their previous matchup against Tampa Bay, they also smashed Tampa Bay on the ground. So I was very confused by the overall game plan. They went up 14-0, and they still were throwing the ball. So that was very confusing to me. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I, I guess they liked their matchups in the secondary, and um, you know they, they do have they have a really good receiver in DJ Moore, and and Sam Darnold has been playing well. He's even you know took took a couple shots to other players as well. So yeah, that right. was interesting. I mean, that's the the, far, the frustrating thing about Dante Foreman or Deonta Foreman as a as a fantasy player this year is like he is literally giving you all or absolutely nothing. You know, because <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's seemingly very... like alternated games, right? It's like one game he'll yeah. give you 30 and another he'll give you one. It's crazy. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are like, yeah, the weeks I had, I weeks I played him, those are the ones he gave me absolutely nothing. <laughs> the weeks he was on my bench for the weeks he went, you know, I, I totally ham. I, I think the games against the Falcons, it was easier to see coming, but some of these other yeah, yeah, ones yeah. like the game against the Lions and then this one, it's like, oh man, you know, just when I was kind of ready to get uh-huh. out, he goes crazy. I was ready to get back in. Mm-hmm. He does nothing. So yeah, yeah, it's been frustrating. I think, um, I, I will say though, overall on the year, another guy I think like needs a, a bit of a reputation like reset is is Ben McAdoo because I think McAdoo um, has designed some really fun stuff. You know, they had some fun plays in this game from a passing standpoint too. I mean, definitely like the way they kick. I still think the way they kicked the Lions' ass like from a from a uh, 
like the tight end Ian Thomas going crazy on blocks, you know, Tommy Tremble <laughs> going crazy on blocks and stuff like that. Like Tommy, I think, Ma- I think Ben McAdoo is a guy that, you know, he became a bit of a punching bag in uh, New York because of like the big suit at his press conference, when he slicked his <laughs> hair back, you know, uh, he, there was always something with McAdoo from a head coach. Yeah, perspective. Yeah, and, and, you know, right. I, th- I think that, and right. look, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I, I'm, guarantee you whether it was on this show or other shows in in the preseason I was like I don't need to be seeing about a, a quarterback competition between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield because like well, Baker Mayfield is just that much better blah 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 what, what an idiot that I sounded like you know saying that but um you know there there are quotes from Ben McAdoo like talking about these quarterbacks when he was you know not with the team or whatever saying like oh right. yeah Baker you know he doesn't doesn't Didn't he like Baker him. doesn't have it I don't I don't think you know and then but he was really a right. big Darnold guy and I mean the the there's that that's probably that I don't think you know they make that trade for Baker Mayfield and you know they probably uh, never consulted with Ben McAdoo that's how these teams <laughs> we think about that right, but that's exactly. how these that's how these things often go um right. and, and you know it's no surprise the offenses look better I think with um with Sam Darnold than it has with Baker Mayfield even if Mayfield's been you know I mean, he's been eyed I guess since going to LA he's been eyed Right, exactly. It's like, golly, talk about a guy that's trying to resurrect his career just a little bit. But I just think the energy that Baker Mayfield has brought while in L.A. has rejuvenated both himself and L.A. You know, the Rams were absolutely dead in the dirt uh, before they made that trade. And obviously, I mean, first of all, they were dead for about three and a half quarters and then Baker Mayfield comes in. That was like the best bad game you've ever seen. That that crazy weird Baker the Raiders Mayfield Rams comeback. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was just crazy. What a weird game that was. But Baker Mayfield, I think, uh, has injected himself into this uh, this off season. I think at the quarterback position. So uh, should be an interesting. What an interesting off season this is going to be. It's going to be with the yeah with the quarterback market the way that it is and the running back market the way that it is. Unfortunately, for receptionperception.com, the wide receiver market is We had our little... run last year, but Yes, we, yes. Yeah, we, we had our time last year. <laughs> right. Right. A little bit dead this offseason, but that's okay. We'll, we'll be pondering about quarterbacks and running backs uh this offseason of that but there is no doubt. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen, we talk about the good. Let's talk about the bad here. First of all, there was how weird was it? There was a lot, a lot of stars that absolutely struggled here in championship week for fantasy. But Justin Jefferson was one of the one of the worst, one of the most egregious 
underperformers here for week 17. One catch on five targets for 15 yards. I'll ask you this, Matt. What in the hell happened there in Minnesota? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot went on. Um, there, there, There's a lot that goes into this game. Anytime, here's the deal. Anytime a receiver gets uh, shut down like this, you know, uh-huh. there, there's a lot of factors at play here. Uh, it is never just... We we want to like make this a mono mono thing, you know. I mean, even, I mean, J- listen, Jair Alexander sounds like he wants to make it a mono mono thing, right, uh, t- right? Talking his, which by the way, hey, Jair, talk your shit, you know. You you yeah, earned absolutely. it. You, yes. You know, Aaron Rodgers said too, like if you're going to talk like that, you better back it up with your play, and he absolutely backed it up with his play, you know. So so he deserves to go and uh, talk and and make himself uh, uh you know put himself out there. He he 100 deserves that. You you grittied over the guy early early in the game too, and everybody's like, I know, oh oh, don't do that, like because then he's gonna. That. But I mean, uh, it, it also it is Backed it's it a up. wide receiver thing that when this happens, it's also a quarterback thing. So there's a lot to and there's a coaching staff failure too when something like this happens. Um, focusing on what Green Bay did specifically, um, you could see in this game. There was a lot of way, there was a lot of different ways, um, and especially when you go back and look at the film today, there's a lot of different ways uh, that Green Bay decided to attack uh, here. You know, they we've seen teams do this with Justin Jefferson before, um, where you get the cornerback up there and you just just press the shit out of him, like you go real hard to. Re- and teams have done this with the Dolphins receivers as well. It's not like okay. Justin Jefferson has a problem with press coverage or, or, you know, with the Dolphins example, those guys have problems with press coverage. What are we talking about though? We're talking about disrupting the timing of the play. And though Green Bay did for um, several times, it wasn't, they did at different times, they had safety help over the top of Justin Jefferson, but they also had, you know, and, and this is great too, because the Vikings are pretty good about getting, um, you know, Justin Jefferson, not into the Cooper cup role, but into like advantageous positions. Like they'll move him right. from the flanker, move him closer to the, to the, to the offensive line. They'll even put him in the slot sometimes too. And when they did that, the, the, the Packers would have Jair Alexander like play outside leverage, press coverage with outside leverage uh, on Jefferson. But then they have the safety, like kind of bracketing him to, and playing the inside leverage there. So if he's got an inbreaker, the safety cuts it off. If he, you know, takes to the outside Jairo's on a pretty good uh position there so a lot of really fun ways um and and then obviously some cloud stuff in zone coverage too so they had a really great game plan to sit there and say 18 is not gonna go crazy on us like that's what's not gonna happen we might give up some stuff here and there but 18 is not gonna go <clears> crazy <throat> on us and this is the, pro- and the the reason why that's a great way to attack it and why I think this is a problem for the Vikings is that you can't you can't just completely go into the crapper when one guy, when they're dedicating this many resources to one guy. But this is the thing with the Vikings yeah. all year. Like from an efficiency standpoint, for the most part, they've been a slightly above average or even average offense at different parts of the year because they don't have anything else. Like we, they have these guys with names and, and TJ Hawkinson at times has stepped up. He didn't have a, he ended up with seven catches in this game, but I wouldn't say this was one of his best games. He's actually weirdly like left plays on the field with drops and stuff at different times but um Mm -hmm. he has at different times been their solution to like okay they man coverage up on us like we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna get tj hawkinson involved here against a linebacker safety something like that and that didn't really happen in this game uh because they were playing so much of that zone coverage and then just their other receivers don't win enough Kirk goes into Kirk goes into his head i think that's a big problem too because that's the thing james as well last point on this is like I get it. 
the coverage looks are not advantageous. And then when Jefferson's route and timing is disrupted, you know, then the pressure takes, it's that much closer to pressure coming on cousins. And when he's pressured, right. we know he goes haywire, but you can't leave a game where you lose by this big of a deficit. What is it? 40, 41, 17. And it wasn't even really that close. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't leave a game where you have this big of a deficit and throw to your best player five times. Like that's also on the coaching staff to like get Jefferson a screen, get him a, like when the times when they do play off coverage, get him a quick slant, a drag route, something like that just to get these guys into rhythm. Cause that is, it, it, it's definitely a full on team based failure uh, because when Jefferson doesn't go crate, when he doesn't go into like elite mode, this offense just unfortunately doesn't have a lot of other answers and they can't run the, they can't run the ball either, which is a little astounding. Just absolutely head scratching. When you think about, okay, you've got Dalvin cook out here going up against a green Bay running defense that absolutely cannot stop the run. Um, and, and wake me up uh, if, if you heard this one before, but green Bay sucks at stopping the run. Yeah. Uh, that's been like the, I mean, it's like, it goes back to Mike McCarthy teams. They can't stop the run for whatever reason. Why can't they figure out how to stop the damn run? I don't understand. Uh, I thought Dalvin cook was going to have a huge game, uh, advantageous, uh, matchup for Dalvin cook in this one. Um, can I give you some coverage statistics actually in this yeah, ball game? Cause I was very, very, um, interested uh, and how maybe Green Bay was going to change up what they did uh, here in week 17 versus all the way back in week number one. Oh, but God, in, yeah. yeah, in week number one, and and by the way, Green Bay definitely, definitely came in with a hyper-specific game plan. Uh, because in this, in this ball game, they went cover two more than I think they've ever gone cover two at any point in the season. So this is a, a, in, in week number one, they went primarily cover three and cover four. Um, and I don't want to get into too many of the, the specifics of it, but there's a lot of single high safeties in these coverages in, you know, in cover three, especially. Right. So uh, in this particular one, they went split safety. So two high safeties, 73% of the time. Um, and that's a pretty large number. So I, I think in this particular game, they're like, Hey, listen, uh, you talk about the cloud coverages or whatever it might be. They're using that with the split safeties up top. That's not what they did in week number one, right? They try to go single high and, uh, you know, bottom line is it's funny when some of these cornerbacks, you know, get all rah, rah and hyped up and everything. And then you look at the numbers and it's like, oh, they played zone coverage 86% of the time. It's like, how many, Jair, how many times were you manned up with, with Justin Jefferson, dude? Like, you know, like, come on, it's, it's zone coverage 86% of the time. Uh, for Green Bay right now. So uh, they used a lot of zone coverage. Obviously, they did that in week one as well. But cover three versus now mm, uh, a lot of cover two and split high safeties and doing a lot more of that. Um, I'll say this. In week number one, they went, uh, I looked this up on, this is according to Next Gen Stats, but uh, they went to cover two 0% of the time. Mm. 0%. Um, and so in this one, they went up to about 12% cover two, but, uh, all, all threw in a lot of cover six looks, uh, looks and cover four looks and basically went split high, uh, split safeties on 75% of their defensive snap. So they did significantly alter the way they approached this game with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, no, it was, uh, and I totally get it too, because, uh, Jair Alexander was very critical of the team's game plan in week one. Remember after, mm -hmm. after yeah. Jefferson went insane in that game, he even said like, yeah, I wanted to 
I wanted to track him around the field and to his credit, you know, he did, even if he's not a hundred percent man coverage, like he was moving around with him, uh, you know, and was a part of that coverage plan. Um, yeah. no matter what, like, you know, with man coverage, zone coverage, he was a huge part of, of, of getting the jam on him early and, and being a big part of why this, why this one catch performance happened. Um, you know, he was very critical about not being allowed to do that early uh, on in the first game of the season. And, you know, he even then, of course, said like it was a fluke. Uh, and then he, you know, obviously <laughs> for this game and, and he backed up the talk. That's all that matters. Like you I can know. talk all you want uh, and then you back it up, which is great to see. So I I, I think it was really encouraging. On, you know, obviously, so it's super discouraging for Minnesota, but very encouraging for Green Bay because I don't think that Barry Joe Barry's been a great defensive coordinator for them. I think no. that they have struggled to come up with specific game plans like this. Oh yeah, I think they've struggled to, despite all the talent, all the resources they've thrown into this defense. But they're over the the results have been great over the last uh, month or so, the month plus, and the schedule has been part of that. You know, they played the Baker Mayfield L.A. Rams, they played the Bears, um, stuff like that. The Vikings are, you know, a very mercurial offense as well, despite being a, right. a good team with a good record, but. Right. You know, at the end of the day, um, I think they've they've really turned this defense around here of late and, and putting a performance like that on um, on film is, is just a good resume booster for Green Bay as they you know look likely to make the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Obviously, next week they control their own destiny, but um, there's a good chance we see this matchup again. You know, there, there's definitely a, a non zero percent chance we see this matchup again. And, and I can't wait to see how um, how part three goes. <laughs> Minnesota uh, just absolutely bombed against Green Bay and then now the NFL gifting Green Bay with a very advantageous uh, scheduling change by the way the, the NFL changed their schedule to make this game happen which is very interesting we're talking about the Lions uh, needing to beat Green Bay to keep Seattle in it so um, yeah that's that's an interesting one and certainly all the tinfoil guys uh, are out there talking about the conspiracy theory of it all, but I, I will say, oh, regardless, I mean, come on, it the whole the whole week eighteen schedule is always up in the air because they they want to know the playoff scenario so that NBC right. doesn't get some you know dog. Uh, and this <laughs> this one was tough. I, I, that's why I was I was surprised that the the Titans Jags game was the one that got moved to Saturday because it's the right. one that you can sit there and say like it's a win we know for sure it's a win and in yeah like i didn't understand once that got taken off the board it's like why would you because then it's it's the which i guess maybe this leans to the conspiracy but i'm not i'm not going down the conspiracy conspiracy theory pro aaron Rodgers thing but like once (laughs) once you leave that once you take that game off the table none of the others is like pure um both teams winning in like both teams go home because yeah the lions day could certainly be over by the time i get but i don't know i still again i still maintain that the lions will go uh all out to to um to to, to win that game but last last thing on the on the um justin jefferson side of this yeah at the at the end of the day you know, if a wide, like I said, it's, if a wide receiver gets shut down like this, it is not, and I'm not just here, you know, caping up for big receiver. Okay. But like, you've got to have, it, it's a full <laughs> team receiver. failure when stuff like this happens, yeah. you know, like a one, a one catch performance and you lose the game like this. It's one thing. Cause early in the year, so much was made about that. Um, Justin Jefferson performance against the lions when they, you know, really, they, they were one of the first teams that really dedicated a game plan to shutting down Justin Jefferson. Well, they still won the game. Okay. You know, so yeah. it's like, whatever. Right. But when you get blown out like this and your best players held to one catch, there's a lot of failures that need that that need to be criticized. And obviously, I think 
I'm, I'm always going to bring it back to, to cousins and that when, when things aren't cleanly laid out for him, you know, he's, he, he can go into, into haywire mode very, very quickly. Um, and I like a lot of the coaching. I, I think, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Kevin O'Connell and, you know, the offensive side of the ball here for what they've done this year. But I, I, I think this is, this was a, a failure there to not adjust at some point during the, during the game. No, I think that's right. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So you're right. It, it was definitely a, a, a system wide failure, uh, of that. There is no doubt. Okay. So now this, um, the San Francisco Las Vegas game, we went into it and everyone went into it thinking that this was going to be an absolute blowout. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, Vegas had this game as a, a double digit favorite for San Francisco. We were talking about Jared Stidham. We were jokingly before the games kicked off, we're calling him Jarrett Sidham. Um, and afterwards, now it's like Jarrett Stardom, man. Like the guy just went absolutely crazy. This is a guy that, um, you know, we, we we left for dead. You know, the guy played in New England was so bad uh, when he was playing that Tom Brady, as you mentioned uh, in, in last week's episode, had to come back into a blowout game because that's how bad Jarrett Stidham was, but my goodness, the guy came and he played amazing football against San Francisco. This was this was a pretty good performance uh, by Las Vegas and one that was completely unexpected. Very unexpected. Uh, Jarrett Stidham led all quarterbacks in yards per attempt uh, on Sunday. He was third in EPA per dropback among all quarterbacks wow. on Sunday in week 17. Just a hell of a performance, and I think it said a couple of different things here. Um, one, yeah, I mean, you got to give some credit to Jared Stidham because, you know, it wasn't just like, all right, I'm going to get the little, look, little cookie cutter stuff, like, you know, mm-hmm. little, little, sc- slings, little, little slants and screens and all this stuff. Like he was really out there, you know, slinging it. Like I said, the, the downfield numbers were, you know, they, they are what they are. 10.12 air yards per attempt for Jared Stidham. He was slinging it downfield. <laughs> I, I, Whoa. I know, I know that's just. That's just cr- it was crazy, and I think um, I think another thing too. What what I did not expect from Jarrett Stidham, and I don't look. I I, I apologize number one um, for all the all the stuff I said about Jarrett Stidham. I give got to give the guy a lot of credit. I mean, I was definitely bagging on him, just like everybody was bagging on him. Hundred uh, percent for what was going on here. But the one, I, I was like, you know, the meme, like I was not familiar with your game or something like that. I didn't know that Jared <laughs> yeah. Stidham like could make the plays on the move that he was making. That was what right. was interesting to me. Right. Uh, right. According right. To, to PFF five of seven on throws outside the pocket, which isn't a perfect representation of what I'm talking about, like making plays on the move and getting out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So just keep that in mind, but still five of seven, uh, on plays outside of the pocket for 120 yards and two touchdowns against the San Francisco 49ers. Like those were some big plays. And and like I said, the ability to evade pressure, get on the move, fling the ball downfield. That was, I mean, just a hats off hell of a performance for Jared Stidham. I don't think, I don't think that Jared Stidham will be the Raiders long-term quarterback. I, you know, I think that um, they will probably do something else this off season, but what it also <laughs> revealed, the second thing that it revealed right. was this is a good ecosystem, man. And I know it hasn't happened with Derek Carr this Ooh, year. I, I yeah. think there is a I think there is a lot of problems. Um, obviously, they haven't been healthy all year. We've talked about that with Darren Waller, with Hunter Renfro. The offensive right. line isn't perfect. Derek Carr is deaf. Derek Carr is I- exactly what we just talked about with Kirk Cousins, where a guy that once you get pressure on him, 
I mean, Joey Bosa even said this. Uh, I think it was earlier this year. Maybe it was last yeah. year. Like we know that mm-hmm. Derek Carr, once you heat him up, like he can he can go in the tank. And I mean, definitely behind a bad offensive line, he gets to that check down so fast. He gets that check down so quickly. And Stidham did not. Stidham, like we, that's like we just said, evaded the pressure and took advantage of guys that are matchup problems. Devontae Adams is a the, a walking matchup problem. He's the best receiver in football. <laughs> Darren Waller, you know, averages 24 yards right. per catch in this game. Um, he's a, he's a matchup problem. So it just revealed that this is going to be, I know there are obviously problems with Ra- the Raiders, you know, Josh McDaniels, they, they still blow another lead here, right? Like they had, the, they could have won this game and they didn't win the game. Um, there, it's not, it's, there are questions about the Raiders overall, but there's a reason that I think in the off season, when they go recruiting for quarterbacks, and I think they will try to recruit a veteran quarterback, whether it's Brady, whether it's um, Garoppolo, you know, w- whatever. There's a reason that teams should be like a quarterback should be excited to land here. Yeah, it's a, it, I think that's such a great point that you make and not one that I actually thought about was the fact that Jarrett Stidham, of all people, is sitting back there uh, and slinging it. I mean, that first touchdown pass to Darren Waller, that's when you knew. There was a little something different in the air, right? Like he throws it down there. Was a twenty-four yard touchdown pass to Darren Waller in traffic too? I mean, that's when you knew. Okay, Stidham's playing with his hair down. You know, like yeah. this is a guy that's not messing around today. He's not. He was not coming in to be Captain Checkdown. You know what I mean? Like he was going to come out and live by the sword, die by the sword. And like I tell you what, he was swinging that big thing. He was around. living, baby. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, uh, and I'll tell you what, like, uh, you know, the other thing about it, too, it's like, you knew, you know, Stidham's girl knew she was going to be on camera, too, man. Like, she brought the girls out. They were just that looked like that looked like a club upstairs. I'm like, what is going? It looks like hot. It looks like a, a, a hot Las Vegas club. Going down Hell up yeah. there with Stidham's girl up there, man. And you know what? Good for them, because I tell you, Stidham played great. Um, and obviously, uh, the, you know, his, his gal came prepared as well and they were rocking it. So that's all good. It was a great look all around, uh, for yo, Las Vegas. Yo, this but, is, and this is not yeah. some little, uh, some pissant defense, right? This is the 49ers. No. This yeah. is the best defense in football. They have, they have swallowed up. You know, stuffed in lockers, uh, you know, they have kicked the shit out of offenses all year long. And right. for Stidham to do what he did, it's just, I mean, it's so impressive. And it, it's its very cool to see. It's always cool to see when some guy like that's totally, um, and I, I still think Derek Carr probably getting a raw deal for a, you know, a couple of different reasons or whatever, 100%. but they still clearly thought like, you know what, Carr is leaving is leaving meat on the bone. And I think it's obviously it was fair to say it going into this game. And it's definitely fair to say it coming out of this game that 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 meat on the bone uh, was there. And then your boy Jarrett Stidham brought himself, brought his girls and, and, and they, they ate that meat up, man. They ate it up. hundred percent. hundred percent. Hey, you know, can I, can I say this too about Derek Carr? Um, and I, and I was pretty vocal, um, as well. Um, on my direct TV show about how I just felt like, you know, Carr got shafted, you know, make, makes that team friendly deal, you know, to get Renfro and Waller signed and everything. And, and then, you know, Las Vegas turns around and cuts it. That sucks. Okay. Now that being said, um, I've also been on record saying that he, ever since he broke his leg, he's just not been the same guy in terms mm. of courage in the pocket. Um, I just, he's especially that first year back after he broke his leg, 
very skittish, I would say, yeah. in the pocket. And I think that skittishness, I don't even know if that's a word, but him being skittish in the pocket, uh, I think that has been a big time issue for Derek Carr. I thought he got rid of it last year because I thought last year he did a pretty good job of hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there and absorbing some big hits. Um, But maybe it just, maybe that kind of masked the problem. I don't know. Because again, with what Stidham did against this San Francisco, you know, defense, letting his guys work downfield a little bit, it just was night and day compared to what we've seen with some of the check down stuff that we've seen with Derek Carr. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely an issue. And I mean, even last year too, when you just look at like uh, his numbers under pressure, uh, Derek Carr, you know, right. it, it was, it's, it's still better. Right. I mean, from a, from a, from an efficiency standpoint than probably we've seen before, but still 62.5% or excuse me, 62.5 passer rating under pressure last year. That's regular season and postseason, uh, and one of 3.9, uh, when kept clean, like there's just a difference. And so much of it, uh, comes back to, you know, what is he going to do from, um, from a depth of throw perspective, uh, last year though, he did, he did push it like 10.2, uh, average depth of target, uh, when he was under pressure. So like, that's a big difference um, than what we've seen previously, which it, the, the hits mount up, the pressure mounts up. And I think it's a confidence level too. Like what is your confidence level in the offensive mm-hmm. line that's in front of you? I think it's probably fair to say that on paper Carr was not confident in the group that was in front of him. And that can, you know, we're all, we're all humans, man. I mean, even quarterbacks yeah. are humans. Like, you know, that if it's like a what was like if you analogies like or if you have a deck you 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 and you you know there's a you know there's like a, a a a rotted one one rotted plank in the wood your wooded deck outside what are you gonna do every time somebody comes over you're gonna say hey watch out for that one plank like you don't want to you don't want <laughs> right don't, don't step, on step that, in yeah. that right you don't want to mess that you don't want to mess yourself watch that fifth step when you go up the stairs it's a little yeah, creaky right. Um, right. it's in the back of your mind. Every time you go on the deck, it's in the back of your mind. Every time you walk sure. up the stairs and you tell people about it. So like, same thing, every time Derek Carr goes on the field here, if the line's not great, he's going to have that in the back of his head. And so he's going to get rid of the ball faster. It's going to be an issue that just compounds itself over and over and over again. Same thing we talked about with Tom Brady. That's why like, Hey, when we talk about Brady to the Raiders, he better also be somehow recruiting some linemen to come with him because huh. uh, or right. else he's going to be getting the ball out too fast. So, Hey, look, these quarterbacks don't want to get hit. I wouldn't want to get hit, so I get it. Devontae Adams, 11 targets, 7 receptions, 153, 2 touchdowns. Um, he was just uh, spectacular, man. I mean, that that one of those catches, um, his second touchdown catch was just a thing of beauty. I, like, how does he... How does he do this? <laughs> Being able to create a little bit of separation from the defender, uh, it's like his upper body is disconnected from his lower body. Like, I don't... I just it's incredible man his body control is awesome uh yeah he's still a special player i mean and it's been kind of cool to see him win in a, in a different way than he did in green bay last year i mean look i, mm-hmm. I mean no, i i love Devonte adams and uh reception perception showed each of like the last four years that he's one of the two or three best receivers in pro football period. I mean, that he can period, you, you period. ask him to win it, run any route. He's going to win, ask him to face man coverage, press coverage, zone coverage. He's going to get open um, at a rate that really is almost unmatched by anybody else in, in the NFL. Right. I mean, he is still to me where like, you're talking about best receiver in the NFL. You've got to start the list. Um, you got to, st- you, you got to start the list or get to get to Devonte Adams 
second on the list. I think bare minimum. He's one, one of the one right. or two uh, in terms of re- ranking receivers right now. Um, right. All that said, like last year in Green Bay, it was so much of like Adams and Rogers kind of like chemistry. The like, all right, Rogers yep. just gonna, like find 17. I'm going to get it to him on like kind of these quick hitting routes, like the get him, you know, in space quickly, sort of just retriculate the offense that way. But even with Derek Carr, too, but especially in this in this game against 49ers, it was just like, let's let's get it to Adams in like high degree of difficulty situations, like high leverage moments as a pure outside receiver. None of this like let's motion him into the slot. Let's get him a little screen or something like that. It's like, nah, let's uh, let's rip it like from a vertical standpoint with Devontae Adams. That has been very cool to see. Yeah, it's uh, been very different. Obviously, his catch rate uh, has plummeted this year. But again, I think the difficulty of the routes that he's being asked to run uh, has certainly changed a lot as well. And obviously, he's seen a little bit of a downgrade. A little bit. He's seen a significant downgrade uh, at the quarterback. One of the guys position. is getting benched. The other is uh, finding <laughs> right. a way to make it into the postseason here. Uh, with somehow, the- some with- way. Somehow, hooker by crook. I cannot believe Aaron Rodgers is right there on the precipice of making the postseason after what was just an absolutely abysmal uh, first, I don't know, even like the first 12 games of the season. They look cooked. They look absolutely done. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, on the other side, San Francisco, who, by the way, we talk, we talk all this noise about Jared Stidham, Devontae, they lost the game. They did lose. <laughs> lost in all this. <laughs> San Francisco still won the game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, I thought, played really, really good football. Oh. Uh, and I thought he was great, um, and he looked and he looked great as well. Um, some of the stats that he he racked up came, you know, obviously a little bit later in the game, but that's all good. I thought I thought he played yeah, critical really, really moments good in the game. Yes, James, hundred uh, percent. Twelve targets, nine receptions, one hundred and one, and a touchdown. Ayuk put together a really really good game. He's been putting together a fantastic season too, and and yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about Ayuk because, listen, I kind of want to talk my shit about Ayuk a little bit, man. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, this this is this is why I believe so strongly in like reception perception and as a stuff like a year to year thing. Like, look, I, I've 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 lived this life with with Tyler Lockett before. Um, like, remember you and I had those like we've talked about him before yeah. the the videos about Tyler Lockett back at NFL Network in like 2016 and like, oh man, this guy is going to be a superstar. Uh, the reception perception data shows it. And it didn't happen in the box score until like 2018, you know? And, and right. man, I, I, I took the lumps for Lockett and being too excited in 2016, you know? And um, look, it's a testament to the players. Nobody cares about me. I'm some goofball just sitting here watching, watching what they're doing. This is, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just making note of what they're doing. And Ayuk was this guy, man. Like he is, he's definitely grown and developed uh, it's into the guy that he is this year. But he has shown, and reception perception has shown, I mean, 75%, 75.5% success rate versus man coverage as a rookie, and he's gotten better and better and better. Um, and look, it couldn't have been a more disastrous start last year. You know, uh, from a fantasy right. angle, getting excited about Ayuk was a disaster. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the benching, the the doghouse stuff early in the early last year, it was a disaster, but what we've seen this year is exactly, and what we saw against the Raiders, perfect example, 
like he was coming up with these critical catches uh, to get the team in position to win the game. Like they could have won the game in regulation. Um, yeah. Like that's something that, that shouldn't be lost. You know um, that the fact that they got like Brock Purdy got him down there and then Robbie gold missed the field goal that then pushed them into overtime. And then they eventually win right. it in overtime, whatever, but Purdy got him in position. I, you helped get him in position uh, to win the game in the end. But yeah, man, I, I think I'm just so, um, I'm very pleased and feel very validated about how Ayuk has played this year. And I, I like, he's going to, he could cross a thousand yards uh, next game. And like the 49ers have every incentive to play in week 18 because they can still get the one seed, like depending on what happens yeah, to the Eagles and stuff right. like that. Um, but right now he's I think sitting even, on, I think them even fighting for the two seeds actually really important matters, yeah. because yeah, because uh, if, if let's say Philadelphia locks up the one, right. Okay, fine. But Think about that team right now. It's like they've got their star superstar quarterback. He's banged up. You know, yeah. again, like should something happen after their first round by the number two becomes very, very important um, in terms of where they're at. So no, I, I think they've you're right. Like regardless of whether or not the one is in play, I think the two being in play is actually really important for them as well. 100%. So um, you could get to 1,000 yards um, next week. He's sitting on 954 and eight touchdowns. And he's just been so much better than the numbers indicate. Like, that's right. that's the thing here because the, the numbers are what they are. But he's sharing an offense with George Kittle and, and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. But he has been the consistent biggest factor, I think, from start to finish because he's just because just he's played the whole the whole uh, year. Mm -hmm. He's been this good man. He's he's just an incredible receiver that I still think is just getting started. So um, that's my I'm sorry. That's my little victory lap on on Ayuk. And just because um, the guys it's one thing when, you know, RP is like, hey, this guy's the guy and he goes out and has the year and it's awesome. It's another, though, when they like when it doesn't happen right away. Um, yeah. But I, I feel I feel that uh, Ayuk is a very um, a very validating case for reception perception because of how he's played this year. The nine catches was a season high, as was the 101 yards. As a matter of fact, the 101 is his first 100-yard game of the entire season. Um, you know, again, you kind of look at the numbers, Matt, and you. I, I think when you look at the box score, as you mentioned, um, and you look at his overall stats, season-long stats, you'd be like, eh. He had, a, he had an okay game or he had an okay season, right? Like um, you're, he'll probably finish with just a little over a thousand yards, uh, something like, you know, maybe like 80 catches, something like that, uh, but has, wasn't highly targeted. And I think you look at the catch rate too and you say, okay, well, you know, 68% catch rate. Okay. That's, that's okay. That's, that's okay. But it's not, it's not amazing. But when you isolate his play and this is what reception perception does, he's just getting open. Um, at a very high rate. And I think the quarterback play certainly has not matched uh, his play as well. Uh, he, I, I said this on Friday. So good, good to say this the, the couple days before he has his best game of the season. But I said this on Friday right. on, on Twitter that he is going to shape up to be the biggest, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, do you know ball tests at wide receiver? Because <laughs> if you're out there like, oh, Yuke, I don't get it. What do you, what do you mean? He has a business the production, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, but you don't know ball because watch the guy play. He has been incredible this year. And, and just think about like, by the way, think about all the other guys in that offense and think about all the way that that team still calls plays. Right. So the right. production stuff, shoot it in the moon. Don't care. Watch him play. Um, look at the reception perception numbers, which is a direct uh, 
all that is is watching watching him play. That's that's watching the games uh, and yeah. a re- just a reflection of that. The guy is a, is a stone cold stud. I mean, he is an. I think he is a, already a. He's a hundred percent a legit number one receiver. Just scratching the surface. Guy's been incredible this year. So he is shaping up to be um, one of, if not the biggest, do you know ball tests uh, at wide receiver when we're having some off season discourse. I am very interested to see what San Francisco does at quarterback. Man, if they and listen, Brock. We talked about Jared Sidham. Brock Purdy's been. Wow, what a find. Awesome. Uh, it yeah. has been, yeah, what a find for them uh, at uh, at quarterback. Because, again, I mean, look at how many of these other teams go to their third-string guy and they're just, <laughs> they're just throwing up all over their shoes. <laughs> like, Brock Birdie's out here actually making plays, you know? Uh, is he a great quarterback? No, of course not. But, golly, uh, I'll, I'll say this. The guy's not – he's not scared. He ain't scared. He's going to go out no. there and make plays, man. That's what uh, that's what I liked about seeing Jared Sidham. He's just going out there, just letting him ha- let him hang out, baby. Let's go. Uh, Brock Purdy's got a little bit of that in him too, uh, which is great to see. But that being said, now if San Francisco gets a, an upgraded quarterback, whether they 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 find one through the draft, whether they sign a veteran, um, whatever they do, they need an upgraded quarterback. Uh, look, I don't care what anyone says. Jimmy Garoppolo's not it. Um, he's, I think he's a, a fine also backup. A free agent. Yeah, but there's all these rumors that San Francisco is going to try to bring him back or whatever. Because, but like, why? You know, but but why would you do that when like Brock Purdy at the very like bare bare minimum has done just a, been a reasonable facsimile, like done a great Jimmy I agree. Garoppolo impression. Totally 100, agree. One hundred six point four passer rating <laughs> since week twelve. Um, totally agree. He's offered, by the way, he's offered a little bit more with his legs. He's definitely like, and look, he's not perfect on these throws. I get it, but he definitely will push it more than Jimmy will push it uh, for the most part. Like there were times this year when Jimmy was pushing it down the field a little bit more, but in terms of like deep outside the numbers, uh, Brock is Brock is pushing it. So, and and by the way, Jimmy's an injury risk. He can't part of the reason that I think that the 49ers sold the farm to go get Trey Lance was they weren't confident in Jimmy's ability to stay healthy and consistently right. be available. So if you're the 49ers, why would I, if it was me, nobody's asked me, but if it was me, I, I would just say like, Hey, I'm, a, I'm walking into 2023 with Brock Purdy, who probably could win a play. I mean, I, why could he not win a playoff game? Shoot, why, why couldn't they win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? That's number one. Like I'd yeah, walk into it with Brock Purdy and like, if Trey Lance goes and wins the job, like is just better than Brock Purdy in the offseat, like why not have it? We haven't had a real, like a good old fashioned 50 50 chance quarterback competition between two guys who are interesting, right? Yeah. Um, like we've had the Mitch Trubisky. Well, they didn't shoot. Even the Steelers were like, nah, Mitch Trubisky starting week one. Kenny Pickett <laughs> got a chance to start week one. Like we, it's usually like, dusty vagabond veteran and um young guy who is definitely going to take the job eventually we haven't had like a good old-fashioned hey 50 50 this guy's like give this guy 50 percent chance this guy 50 percent chance whoever wins the job gets the job we haven't had one of those in a while certainly we had one on like a good team in a while why can't why can't it be brock purdy and trey lance in 2023 i think that that's what i would do i love it 
I love it. They're not going to do it, but I love it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I kind of I kind of feel like they might, but just because San Francisco's like, one of and like and and this is Shanahan and they they're just tinkerers. They tinker all the damn time. They don't stick true. with their guys. Look what they've done at the running back position. They they can't help themselves. They're the fantasy manager that's changing their lineup fifteen fucking times every week. <laughs> they don't stick with their dudes. They tinker all damn day because they think they can outsmart the trends or outsmart the numbers or outsmart the room. That's what Shanahan does. They're, you know they're going to tinker this offseason because that's what they do. I don't know. I, I do think there's another, <laughs> but there's definitely another side of Shanahan that's like, you know, look, this guy, Mr. Irrelevant. And now look what I've done. I've Oh, I've that's true. It. He's yeah. Okay. I've that na- Okay. I like that narrative. I like that narrative a lot. Okay. You, yeah. you, I, like I, you know, this, there's this whole like idea that, Oh, Tom, they're going to, yeah. they're going to sign Tom Brady because he's, because he grew up before he died or his fan. Didn't you know? Um, why would Kyle Shanahan want to come and be like, you know what? I really needed to get, I, you know what? I needed to get over the top. I needed Tom Brady to come save my ass to get over the top. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Brock Purdy or this guy, Trey Lance, who, yeah, sure, he was the third overall pick. We traded a bunch of first-round picks for him, but this guy barely played football for like 100 years. And you know what? I made him into a superstar player. It's, it's, all about, it's all about Kyle. It's all about the flat brim making this thing happen. That's right. And I think that's, that's right. why they'll go with those two guys. Dude, you, you, you know what? You sold me, dude. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's all about the flat brim. Yes, 100%. You're right. They're going Brock Purdy next year. Dude, that's it. Done deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. Hey, listen, we, we've gone a little long here talking about nonsense, but that's all good. Hey, listen, uh, in a couple of days here, by the way, if you're not subscribed to the, uh, to the podcast, please do that. Uh, we're going to be keeping uh, this conversation going um, all off season long. And, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of the off season conversation, I think is going to be really, really interesting as well. Uh, so many folks find what Matt does with receptor perception uh, to be fascinating in terms of what he finds. Um, in terms of his findings from this season and applying it uh, into 2023. So we shall see what's going on there. But uh, so again, uh, go check out receptorperception.com. Obviously Matt's got a YouTube as well. Go check that out. Uh, But if you're not subscribed to the podcast, we would very much appreciate you subscribing to the podcast as well. But in a couple of days, when we uh, do our second show of the week, uh, we will break down our best and worst calls of the season. There needs to be a little counting done every now and again. I always get mad when fans are like, Oh, these guys never tell you when they're wrong. First of all, BS. Like there are so many of us in both, you know, the journalistic space and in the fantasy space. We'll tell you when we're wrong and we'll tell you why we were wrong. So that, that whole narrative to me is complete and utter BS. Anyways, this particular show, not going to shy away from that either. Uh, so we will talk about our, you know what it is, by the way, it's usually the, it's usually the people that the, the same people that, uh, like, why don't you respond to every question on Twitter or whatever? It's like, cause not everything happens on Twitter. Like maybe, maybe consume the content. Like, I, yeah, in my recap, yeah. in my recap article for Yahoo, I publicly <laughs> flogged myself on the podcast for this morning. I flogged myself for my da- like. I'm pretty sure I said Daniel Jones, like Tyrod Taylor is going to start games for the Giants at some point <laughs> this year. Yeah, I ripped myself for that. Like, consume the content. Yeah. I guarantee you, we'll tell you when we're wrong. We're just not every exactly. fantasy analyst is going to come. And there are, well, by the way, there are people who do shy away from telling you when they're wrong yeah. or whatever. But uh, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm certainly not going to do this because, like, uh, I, I got a life. I know James is not going to do this because he's got a life. We're not going to put out a 
you know, a statement from the offices of James Coe or Matt Harmon, like tweet every, you know, every time something goes wrong. So give me a break. Come on, man. Like it doesn't get off Twitter, get a, get off Twitter, consume some real yeah. content for God's sake. Yeah, there you go. Add a baby. Uh, so anyways, yeah. So we'll talk about our best and worst calls of the season, uh, of which, uh, there will be some interesting takes there for sure. Um, but yeah. And then after that, again, we go to once a week. And, uh, and again, we're just going to be bringing you, you know, hot fire takes all off season long, and it should be a lot of fun. We're going to talk ball. Come on, man. Come join the ride. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. All right. So for Matt Harmon, I am James Go. We'll see you.